0: You're listening to Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. I'm Travis Harrison, and in this episode, I'm going to be discussing the NBA playoffs and all the action that's taken place so far. We're going to kick things off over in the Western Conference. The number one seed, Phoenix Suns, who also happen to have the best record in basketball this year, have been taking on the Pelicans. Many people thought this series would be over quickly in four or five games, But the Pelicans have shown to be a very resilient team and not one willing to just roll over just because they're heavy underdogs. Brandon Ingram has been on a tear offensively, averaging 28 points in this series by getting whatever shot he wants. Valanchunas is averaging a double-double with 18 points and 11 rebounds, while the addition of C.J. McCollum has paid dividends with him pouring in just under 20 points a game. It's scary to think what this Pelicans team could be if Zion was out there too. Unfortunately, he still remains out due to surgery on a fractured foot. He's been recovering from all season. On the Suns' side, Chris Paul's been playing very well, averaging a double-double of 12.5 points and 16.5 assists a game in this series. Devin Booker, the star for the Suns, played great the first two games of this series, averaging 27 points, but has missed the last three games due to a hamstring injury. There is slight optimism in Phoenix he could play in game 6. But most likely the earliest he would return would be game 7 on Saturday if necessary. Now for the Suns sake, hopefully they can win game 6 and Booker can get rested and be as close to 100% before the second round starts. Next we've got the matchup between the number 2 seeded Grizzlies who have been taking on the number 7 seeded Timberwolves in what has easily been the most entertaining series. Of the playoffs thus far. Let's throw out the fact too that John Morant's dad looks like Usher's doppelganger. Two young up and coming high flyers in Anthony Edwards and John Morant. Guys who love running their mouths in Pat Beverly and Carl Anthony Towns taking on this young, fiery Memphis squad who finished the regular season playing lights out, even despite missing John Morant for over twenty games. The Timberwolves were able to steal game one in Memphis by thirteen. The two stars did not disappoint with Edwards finishing with 36 and Morant with 32. Game 2 was a huge bounce-back win for Memphis as they won handily by 28 and then followed that up with an 8-point win at home. Minnesota responded by sneaking out the win in Game 4 by 1 point. Game 5 would see the Timberwolves in control almost the entire game until Ja decided to take over down the stretch and score the last 13 points for the Grizzlies, including a posterizing dunk and the game-winning layup with one second remaining. I still don't understand, I've watched that replay multiple times, why Edwards didn't just stay home on the inbounds pass and play straight-up defense on Morant instead of overplaying and giving him an open path to the basket. Nonetheless, Joss still had to make an acrobatic move at the rim for the finish and props to him for doing so. The Timberwolves head home now to see if they can even the series and force a Game 7 Sunday. Our third matchup features number 3 seed Golden State taking on the number 6 seed Denver Nuggets. I don't think anyone saw this series being interesting, especially with Jamal Murray still missing from the lineup for the Nuggets. As great as Jokic is, and he is great, and he's probably well on his way to winning back-to-back MVPs, there is no way he can carry his team alone past this Warriors squad who is looking more and more scary by the minute. They're starting to remind me of the Dynasty Warriors team we all hated just a few years ago when they were running through everyone. Klay Thompson is finally starting to find his groove after coming back from multiple injuries. And despite Curry coming off the bench, he is still putting up great numbers. It's so weird seeing a player as great as Steph Curry, the greatest three-point shooter of all time, coming off the bench. But if that works for him, and that's what works for the team, why not? He did end up starting tonight's game and dropped 30 points. The bigger story, though, for the Warriors has been the emergence of Jordan Poole. This young man's proving more and more he's already creating a nice little resume for himself in his first ever playoff series. Of course, I call this man out and give him credit, and he only has eight points tonight in the closeout game. But that's why you have teammates, because when you have off nights, other guys can pick you up, and that's exactly what happened. A very balanced attack as five Warriors, led by Steph Curry, reached double figures. Watch out for this team in the coming rounds because they are a team no one in the West is excited to see. That brings us to our last battle out West, which has number 4, Dallas, taking on number 5, Utah. The Jazz should have really taken more advantage of Luka Doncic being out for the first three games. Instead, it was role players for the Mavericks stepping up big time during their star's absence and holding a 2-1 advantage in the series. Donovan Mitchell's been special for the Jazz, but he's needed more help and unfortunately hasn't gotten it. I will give the Jazz credit that, despite Luka coming back in Game 4 and dropping 30 points and 10 assists, Utah spoiled his return as Rudy Gobert caught an alley-oop pass with 11 seconds to go that put the Jazz up for good and tied the series at two games apiece. The Mavericks, though, made sure Game 5 was never in question as they easily handled business by 25, with Luka Doncic putting up a ho-hum 33 points, 13 rebounds, 5 assists night. Look for the Mavs to close things out in 6 and move on to the second round. As we head over to the Eastern Conference, there's been a lot less drama on that side of the bracket as three series are already wrapped up with one more that could be decided Thursday night. I'm going to start with the number one, Miami Heat, who took down the number eight, Atlanta Hawks. Last year, I'm sure you can remember how Trey Young went into the garden, put on a show in the playoffs, knocking out the Knicks, and then the next series, knocking out the Philadelphia 76ers on his way to making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, I'm confident Coach Spo and the Heat watched those tapes, and they were dead set on not allowing that to happen to them this year. Other than two games of 25 and 24 points, the Heat's stifling defense held young to games of 11, 9, and 8. Definitely a far cry for the man who was fourth in the league in scoring this season at over 28 points a game. Jimmy Butler was an absolute beast, averaging over 28 points a game in this series while pouring in 45 points in Game 3. What really impressed me, though, about the Heat was their ability to close out the series in Game 5 despite not having Butler or Kyle Lowry in the lineup. This should give this group confidence moving forward in the playoffs. Next on the docket is the series that I'm still just baffled by, number two, Boston Celtics sweeping, I repeat, sweeping the number seven Brooklyn Nets. Now let's throw a disclaimer in here and say that if Kyrie doesn't miss half the season, which was his choice, I know, They probably are a much higher seed, not to mention Katie missed a decent chunk of games there down the stretch, but regardless, they were both there healthy and ready to go for this series against Boston. The problem was they weren't really ready to go, and the Celtics were. Boston was locked in from the tip on game one and just never looked back. The thing is, all four games were either close down the stretch or the Nets even had the lead. So you're figuring surely they can close one or two of these out. Someone who people dub the best player on the planet in Kevin Durant can will his team to victory. The problem is, as great as a player as Kevin Durant is, and he is one of the best scorers of all time, he's not a good leader. I do feel a little bad for the guy because he didn't ask for this. He didn't ask for Kyrie to sit out half the season. He didn't ask for James Harden to demand a trade, and he certainly didn't ask for Ben Simmons to find every excuse in the book To not play a single game. But let's give credit to where credit's due. The Boston Celtics came in with a game plan. They locked in on defense, especially Tatum guarding Durant. Still can't believe Durant went 0-10 for in the second half of Game 3. He joined a small list of players who have also unfortunately shot that bad and worse. In James Harden, Vince Carter, Michael Finley, Joel Embiid, and yes... For all you Jordan stands out there, even the great Michael Jordan shot 0 for 10.5. Going back to Jason Tatum, though, as good as this man was on the defensive side of the ball, he was even more outstanding on the offensive side. Listen to these numbers. 31 points, 8 assists, 4 rebounds, 50% shooting. 19 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. 39 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, 6 steals. 29 points, 5 assists, 3 rebounds, 56% shooting, and the sweep. Watch out for these Boston Celtics because they are coming for blood. Jason Tatum's shown he has now reached the superstar spectrum and is arguably one of the best two-way players in the game. Jalen Brown can score on you and lock you up as well. We all know about Mr. Defensive Player of the Year and Marcus Smart and what he's capable of. And then there's Big Al Horford. This brings me to the team who will be meeting the Celtics in round two. The number three seed, Milwaukee Bucks, took down the Chicago Bulls. The number six seed, 4-1 in their series. After getting trounced in game one and shooting six of 25 from the field, DeMar DeRozan said there was no way he would shoot that poorly again. And boy, was he right. The man dropped 41 points and helped the Bulls tie the series at one game each. That was as good as it got, though, for the Bulls because the Bucs won the next three behind their star Giannis Atacupo, who averaged 27 points, 13 and half rebounds, and 5 assists. Other guys stepped up big different times and had to, considering they've been without their second-leading scorer, Chris Middleton. That will definitely be something to keep an eye on as they head into the pivotal matchup with Boston. Giannis is great, we all know that, but he's definitely going to continue to have to count on other guys to contribute while Middleton is out. That Boston D sniffed out two greats in Katie and Kyrie and put the clamps on them. Think how much better they will be if only having to worry about Giannis. Although he's a different challenge, that is for sure. Last but certainly not least in the East are the number four seed Philadelphia 76ers taking on the number five seed Toronto Raptors. This was another series that looked like it had sweep written all over it, especially after the Sixers won the first two games by 20 and 25, and then a three-point win in overtime thanks to a Joel Embiid turnaround three at the buzzer. Somehow, some way, Toronto has clawed their way back into this series, winning the last two games, the first by eight points, but the second by 15. And even more impressive, the Sixers were held to only 88 points. With Philly holding a 3-2 lead, Rivers has already been getting questioned by the media regarding his teams in the past blowing 3-1 leads in the playoffs. He got a little defensive and pointed out other times he's been the underdog and how he doesn't get the credit for those teams fighting back, but only blamed when he has the lead and they lose. I'm interested to see if Toronto can manage to win this next game and force a Game 7 because then anything can happen. Overall, it's been an exciting first round of playoff basketball in the NBA, and I'm looking forward to the coming rounds and the different matchups they will present. That's going to do it for another episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Up Your Game, a podcast all about sports. Travis Harrison signing off.